We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Bruce Pearl. Sean Shire. Sean Miller. I love the field of 16. I listen to you guys every morning. Are we still live? You can't wait yeah. on my radar. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, the only way to keep up college basketball is through the field of 68. Welcome to the first episode of The Pod is the Roof. Yes, if you listened last week, it was also our first episode, but me and Riley are setting records. We're rebranding after one episode. No more Hark the Pod due to unforeseen circumstances that we were not aware of. To be quite frank, we did not know. So we decided to go in a different direction, and we like this name. It's fresh. It's funny. If you're not a UNC fan, you definitely remember Michael Jordan saying the ceiling is the roof. It's an ode to the greatest player in program history. So we love it. We are going to be streaming primarily on a new Field of 68 channel. It's not necessarily new, new. They've posted things on it before, but this season, there is a new spice to it. The Field of 68 main channel that most of you are subscribed to is now going to be specifically for After Darks, for Best Bets, for all of the big-time national shows. But don't worry, the team pods, the UNCs, the Dukes, the Kansas, the Blue Blood, all of it is now going to be on the Field of 68 as you see it in front of you on YouTube right now. After that, just type in Podcast Network. That's where all the team-based pods are going to go on the Field of 68 Podcast Network page. Just about at 3,000 subscribers, everyone that is listening on the main channel. The links to the second channel where everything will be posted are below. Make sure you go sub. I know you guys don't want to miss these team pods. It's going to be great. A bunch of super, super talented individuals that love their programs, that have insight on their programs. You don't want to miss it. So go sub to that channel. Like I said, easy. Links are below. You don't want to miss anything. We will be going live on there once or twice a week. All the other team pods will be on there once or twice a week. If you want to stay updated on all your favorite squads, all your favorite players, there's no better place to do it. Riley, how are you living, and how are you feeling about the rebrand? 
Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Nothing, uh, nothing too crazy going on over here on my end. Uh, and like you said, I, I love the new name. I actually like it better than Hark the Pod. Um, I love that it pays a little homage to the the 2017 title team, which is my personal favorite UNC team because you know first championship team since I graduated there. So that championship, it just it felt different for me as a fan. I uh, loved loved all the guys who were there, especially because I overlapped in school with some of them, like. Justin Jackson and uh, Joel Berry and Isaiah Hicks with his little redemption narrative. Luke May, of course, hitting the shot. So Theo Pinson, of course, got to give a shout to him. But yeah, so I'm excited about the new name and I'm excited to kind of build this build this brand as we move forward. Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, we're going to obviously get into the hoops, but before we get into the hoops, I got to flex the recycling UNC football collaboration because there's two things we love it's this planet and Drake May slash UNC football so gotta give gotta give the ups man they're six and oh huge dub on Saturday and it looks I'm not gonna count this team out of laying an absolute dud because they're known for that and the Georgia Tech game, I have PTSD, as I'm sure I'm you do as well. I'm kind of scared of Georgia Tech, yeah. yeah. Every <laughs> Dude, time I go I to P- Atlanta, man, it's bad news. Oh, it's but really hey, the, bad. The vibes are high right now. You know, you mentioned the recycling UNC collab. I think, uh, did you see that Dr- the other Drake, like the, the rapper Drake, his Nocta brand is doing some UNC gear. And I think if you had to rank UNC collabs, it's like uh, Nocta UNC, recycling UNC. <laughs> what's that other designer the designer who made the shorts with like the giant unc logo on the front i always thought those were pretty fun oh um theo pinson wore them like in at the God, late night dude, with roy in 2018 it's dawn something on something yeah yeah those dude okay, I that's can't, actually why can my I favorite not, collab but why can i not remember <laughs> his name it, don c don c yeah yeah but like you said you know six and oh heel shout out to them uh my son he was born a month ago and it's crazy to me that he doesn't know a world where UNC has lost in football. He only knows a world where the top 10 heels exist on the gridiron. Um, but, you know, the UNC win in football wasn't the only thing that happened this weekend. We can talk a little bit of late night um, or excuse oh, me, live action. I know it has a different name now, but, yeah, what do you you can go ahead and intro that? Well, you know, I wish we could still call it late night because the vibes just aren't the same ever since it's been live action i do miss the roy vibes um but you know it's an interesting experience you get to see a little bit i don't want to say it gives away too much because you're scrimmaging yourself at the end of the day so it's not like it's not like some insane litmus test of greatness but you do get to see the vibes you get to see the guys that you've maybe had some questions about so that's exactly what we're going to talk about is who impressed us what impressed us who didn't impress us, B dot. Oh, I'm sorry. But uh then we're gonna get into another classic couple of games towards the end. We we're not gonna do start bench cut because we're not cutting any tar heels. We're gonna put a little positive twist on it and do a start bench develop. And then we will end with probably the best four corners of all time. And you'll have to stick around and see what that is. But Riley, to you first, what is your main takeaway could be a player could be a team thing what do you have yeah first i want to 
like get into the actual on-court product product we saw in the scrimmage because you know we're three weeks away from the season it's the perfect time to analyze uh intra-squad scrimmages when we know ultimately they probably won't mean much but we're right ahead of the secret scrimmage season so you know now is the time for overreactions and to take what we can get and I think the biggest thing like stylistically that I looked at was just the pace of play. Like they really pushed the tempo both teams did, which was great to see after um, watching Carolina play at a more methodical pace last year and um, a faster pace the year before and Hubert's first season, still a far cry from those Roy Williams teams that were constantly pushing. Um, but I noticed both with RJ Davis and Elliot Cadeau, they look pretty decisive pushing the pace. And I even think about one play in particular where RJ Push, was running the break and hit Harrison Ingram who immediately kicked to the corner to Cormac Ryan for a little hockey assist. Um, and that was like a, a vintage Roy Williams type look. And it's plays like that, that got me excited for the upcoming season. And I, I think having a guy like Harrison Ingram, who we talked about this a little bit last week, but can be that playmaker from the wing and is just such a cerebral basketball player. That's what I'm looking forward to stylistically for, for a big shift. But how about you? Well, that was going to be mine. Hashtag <laughs> secondary break is back, baby. We love to see it. It was, they ran it was a lot of, lot of cross screens, a lot of like a did. lot of those secondary concepts. Like, but I think that's the beauty that we talked about last week of the kind of having two point guards essentially mm-hmm. that are both really good. Um, I also agree on the Ingram front. It, it would appear what we said last week is the truth, and that is that he is the Swiss Army knife of this team. I like to see how they used him. But, man, I just don't think I can give enough props to Cadeau. Like, we we know what to expect from RJ, and he's going to hop into a bigger role with Love gone. But, like, when you're Cadeau, first off, you're supposed to be a senior in high school. You reclassed. You have all this hype surrounding you. And to be honest, pressure, because everyone is – from a fan perspective, expects him like at some point to be a starter and kind of be one of the like four best players on this team. I just love that he plays and obviously not necessarily from a style or from a body at all perspective. He just plays like Luca in the sense that you're not ever going to change his pace. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get sped up because someone is playing ball denial. He's not going to off ball. He's not going to get sped up because someone's playing tight full court. He's not going to like, he plays with such a poise that an 18 year old just simply does not usually play with. And it's not just like, we knew the passing was cerebral. Like some of the pocket passes he made, some of the, some of the like beat his defender on a quick first step, head fake up, you know, dish behind the dish behind the center that's trying to block his shot for an easy layup we expected that what i liked more than anything the dude is just elite in the mid-range area and that's kind of a lost art in basketball and if you have that guy that will take those mid-range jumpers it adds a whole nother element to your offense mm-hmm. i could not have been more impressed with what i saw from elliot Cadeau, to be honest 
Yeah, I think like you said, that in-between game is something that we need that, um, you know, I'm not just trying, I don't want to just make this a Caleb Love smear campaign by any means, because I know he's gotten a lot of hate from Carolina fans, and I love Caleb Love, I wish him the best, but that almost seemed like something he never really developed in his three years here was being able to show that good touch on a floater. You'd see it in flashes where he might go to that, Where, but I, I feel like Cadeau has a high ceiling with that and already seems to be trending in the, the right direction. Um, you mentioned him the way he passes the ball. I know at points this offseason, there's been different tweets, different rumors, like there's been the comparison of, of Kendall Marshall. I know that's what, what Goodman wrote when he wrote the UNC preview for the Almanac was he drew that Kendall Marshall comparison. But I, I think he's actually a lot more like Cole Anthony than he is like Kendall Marshall because he can score, um, whereas Kendall was always going to sort of defer to passing. And I also think Kendall was just absolutely special at, as a transition passer. And I think Cadeau can do that. Um, like I think he's going to be able to make those full court uh, passes or the pitch ahead threes, like that type of stuff. But I mean, it, honestly, it's been a while since I've watched Kendall Marshall. Like that was a decade ago. But Cadeau, I think he's a little bit more like, you know, once you get him in the pa- once you get him in the half court, he can he can. I'm not saying he's like dominating the ball in a bad way by any means, but he can sort of like read a defense, take some time. Like it's, it's not like necessarily going to be like, boom, boom, boom. When he's in the, uh, the half court, sometimes he's making a move and making a read at the last second and just squeezing a ball into a tight window or something like think about one play in particular from this, from this live action scrimmage where, um, came, I'm pretty sure he was coming off of a ball screen and read the, the help defender coming off of Jalen withers. And he wasn't even looking at withers. It, it was like, I feel like he had two or three guys draped on him and just delivered a pinpoint no look pass back out to the, to the like right side of the court, right into Jalen Withers shot pocket from like a, like a right above the break three and Withers didn't hit it, but it's just one of those passes that you see. It's like, man, this kid is special. And that, that stuff, it, it jumps off the, off the screen immediately. And like you said, I was really impressed with him. I think his defense is still going to be a work in progress, hopefully by like, February, you know, he's a little more, a little more stingy or a little more um, just better at guarding ball screens. Cause I think that's going to be key. Like teams are going to try to put him in ball screen actions, but yeah, I think from an offensive standpoint, I'm kind of like, Hey, you give this dude the keys from day one, let's take his lumps, but get it, keep his confidence high. Uh, lean on RJ, lean on Harrison, lean on Armando when we need to, but yeah, I'm really excited about Cadeau. Yeah. I'm, that is the only concern with me is that defensively playing him in RJ is probably mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of a nightmare, but it also all depends on how the back three can kind of hold up and help. Because if at the end of the day, like in, in college basketball, if you're going to be weak in any spot, you probably want to be weak guarding the perimeter because this isn't the NBA. They miss a lot more perimeter shots in college. If you're going to dare a team to beat to beat you by shooting 40% from three, you'd much rather do that in college. So, I mean, they can still get away with it. But, yeah, the other takeaway I have is the battle for, like, the motor man minutes is going to be absolutely incredible. I am, I can't resist the pun. I'm high on Zayden. Let me say that right now. And you already know if you listened last week, we stand James Akunkwo, but. That's our guy. Watching those two, I genuinely do not know how they don't both play at least 10 minutes because they're high motor, 
They want to play defense. They looked incredible rebounding the basketball. They're strong finishers. Dude, having two guys like that on the same team, I love it, but I also hate it because one of them's not going to get minutes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I kind of left that scrimmage thinking we can touch on this with like what we want to, I guess, in the start bench, uh, start bench develop. I think there's a chance that those are your front court rotation at the four and the five is primarily Ingram and Armando and then high and Oconquo. Like that could be your rotation right there. And uh, Jalen Withers, Jalen Washington, the two Jalen's again, this is no inside Intel or anything. This is just speculation from watching a live action scrimmage. So take that with a grain of salt. Don't mean any knock on those guys, but they're, they might have a tough time fending off those dudes for their minutes just because they are so aggressive and so scrappy. Like Zayden high. I got a, I got another comp for you. I don't know how much you watched Alabama last year. Um, but if you think about the role that Noah Clowney played for them, mm-hmm as just like the the garbage man on the glass, elite rebounder, freak athlete who caught lobs, and he could make like 30% of his threes. I think Zayden High is like that minus the elite athleticism, which that, I mean, Noah, Noah Clowney was the first round pick, one and done. I don't think that's going to be Zayden High. Uh, maybe he'll get drafted one day, but I think that'll keep him in school a little longer that he lacks that elite athleticism, but he's athletic enough. Like he's, he's, he's Noah Clowney with decent athleticism, which I think is still a pretty good player. Um, I loved how hard he played on defense. I love that he didn't give up. And, um, you know, I, I mentioned that last week, like his, his days at AZ Compass at that prep school got him ready and he was used to playing at, at AZ Compass. He was used to playing without the ball and had to find ways to make plays otherwise. And I, I don't think scoring is going to be a big issue from this team. I, I, I was a little worried at how many threes we missed and we missed some free throws, but I don't think scoring is going to be a big issue to where Zayden can just focus on doing the little things when he's in the game. He can focus on scoring on putbacks. He can focus on ducking in or making it like, yeah, getting the ball from the dunker spot, finishing a lob, whatever it might be. Um, and Oconquo kind of gives some of the same things. He's just, I would think he's a little less polished offensively, you know, like his offense. I think Zayden's probably got a little more polished with that, but uh, Oconquo makes up for it just by being a dog on defense. Yeah. So Zayden is Noah Clowney. James Oconquo is Willie Colley-Stein if you listen to Skepta and Dave. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's my takeaway. Um, nah, uh, it's going to be – this is the beauty of this team to me. Last year, and honestly the year before that with the whole Iron Five, there's no depth. Like the last two years there have been no depth, especially in the front court. Like – at least last year, you could throw Trimble out. You could throw Dunn out. You could throw Styles out. Like, there's Jalen Washington was like it. That was, you know, the only front court depth you had. Mm-hmm. This year, you have five guys that could play in the front court, maybe even six. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you don't have to worry. Like, if Armando gets in foul trouble, I actually feel good about the guys that are going to come in now. And, mm-hmm. It's just the depth that they have, and I don't know. They all bring you such different things. Like, I think you can play them based on the matchup. Like, if if we're, you know, playing a game where we need to put in a big, but we need to space the floor a little bit more, he can play withers. If If an opposing big is eating us alive, 
He can bring in a Conquo. He could bring in Zayden. So I think there's just options and versatility that we haven't had in the last couple years. And I think that's the beauty of it. Now, one thing I did want to talk about to get your opinion on. Seth Trimble um, didn't play, and he hasn't – I don't even think he's practiced in, like, how long? Maybe a couple weeks? Um, yeah, I think they said he's they said he's day-to-day with an ankle injury. So, we talked about last week how we kind of hate it that he could be the feels-bad guy because mm-hmm. he is such a good defender. Right. How do you think him being out with this injury is going to hinder his chances – even more yeah i i've heard there's been some chatter from like people around the program that he's had a really good off season up until like this recent ankle injury um that they were they've moved him more off ball and want to use him as like a the third like the big guard in a three guard lineup and i think because of his build is and his athletic tools he can guard most wings in the acc probably most wings in the country he can check you know he's not going to be like leaky black on Brandon Miller last year, but there's, I don't think on our schedule, there's a lot of six, eight, six, nine wings who can score 20 a game anyway. Not many of those in the country. So yeah, I think that'll be a role that Seth can carve out, but again, it's going to come down to like whether or not he can make his threes. I know he's made some mechanical tweaks to his jump shot. Um, but I think that's going to be the the key for him to extended minutes is, you know, how does he, how does he fare off ball? Is he, can he be enough of a shooting threat to get on the court? Um, and I would even I would tie that into the other concern I would say I had from the live action scrimmage was just like you said, I think front court depth, we should be pretty set, but we are probably going to need some shooting off the bench. That's where we need Withers to make his threes like that's going to be his key to getting on the floor. Yeah, I think he went over two or over three from three in the scrimmage. We need Wojcik to make his threes uh, to, to get on the floor like those dudes. And we need Seth to at least be able to be a threat out there, you know, that you, you can't leave that. He got to He's got to be a threat enough to not be left wide open. Um, and that's that's like I think Cormac not worried about a shot. RJ definitely not worried about a shot. Ingram for the most part not worried about his shot based on his like catch and shoot numbers throughout his career, even if his overall percentage wasn't great. But yeah, that's where I'm like, dude, we we really need one of Wojcik or or uh, Withers to show that like for Wojcik, it's showing that he can make it against ACC and other high major. Uh, quality defenders and for withers we need it to show like that last year was an anomaly and it wasn't just a reflection of playing on a bad team where you know you probably go into a lot of those second halves down 20 whereas like might well might as well pull it like if i was Jalen, i would have only shot you know if i was on that louisville team and we're down 20 in every every second half of a conference game like every time i touch the ball i'd be shooting you know yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens because there's pressure in a way. Like if you are Paxson, I think Cormac is safe, like you said, but if you are Paxson, if you are Withers, you kind of have that extra pressure on you because it's like your sole purpose really of being in the rotation is to knock down threes. Right. And if you aren't knocking down threes, there's a lot of guys that can come in take your minutes and provide other things. So it does add an extra element of pressure, but talking about all these options, talking about all these players leads perfectly into our start bench develop. Now doesn't necessarily have to be players in our start bench develop. You could 
throw out three concepts that we have to choose to start bench and develop. Whatever you whatever you have cooked up in your brain. Riley, I will throw it to you first. What is your first start bench develop? Uh, all right, let's go start at the four. We'll, we'll start with the big question. Like we said last week, who's that? Who, who's going to start there? Do you start Harrison Ingram at the four and go small? You start Zayden high and go with the young dude, throw him in the fire. Or do you opt for the, the, the stretch four and Jalen Withers? Um, We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think to start the year, for sure, you start Ingram. You bench I'm going to say you bench the high slash Akunkwo and then I'm going to say you develop Withers but I do feel like once they get into those tough meat of the schedule conference games I can see a world where it becomes I think Star Ingram is like just finite like it's it's got to be starting room i just think he's too good but i do i could see it becoming a thing where it's like start ingram and depending on who you're playing you're gonna bench withers develop a conquo high i just i really do think it's all matchup dependent and i honestly could see a world too where some teams like for example when you're playing duke a team that has two bigs 
it might bode well for you to say, you know what, why don't we start like Cado, Davis, Ingram, High slash Okunkwo, and Mondo and play two bigs. I think there are situations where they'll do that. So my final answer for now is going to be I'm going to start Ingram. I'm going to bench the Okunkwo slash high combo, and I'm going to develop Jalen Withers. How are you feeling about it? Yeah. First, I got to call you out. Duke doesn't have two bigs this year, unless I'm forgetting somebody. I bet they're going to start uh, Mark Mitchell at the four, Phil Lopowski at the five. See, that's what I concern. think would be pretty good for our ink. That's my that's concern. Where I, I think like an Ingram. I that's think an my Ingram concern. Front court matches up pretty well. <laughs> but the problem is, is like Ingram six seven, Mitchell six eight. This is what I worry about. Why why we would have to go big against them? The reason that I worry about it is because our guards are so small that like, how tall is Caleb Foster? Six. Six, four, I don't know, probably six four six, five. He's big, I think. I don't know who they're going to start, but their guard. McCain is so, a smaller dude. McCain's, yeah, McCain's quick. McCain's a shooter, but I'm just worried about like outside of McCain, at the two and three, they're just beefier than us. So like, I don't know, man. I, I think we actually kind of match up well with Duke. We don't have to get into that now, but if you think about like our perimeter unit, you have RJ on Roach, you have Cadeau on. Uh, Jared McCain slash Caleb Foster. That might be a little, yeah, it might be a little bit of a mismatch. And you probably put Cormac on uh, Tyrese Proctor. And that's, he's getting yeah, cooked. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, Cormac we can at least be annoying, dude. Cormac is, yeah, like, that's true. Cormac is 25. He, can, he knows how to, anno- he can annoy like a young Tyrese Proctor. See, but that's I what I'm so, saying, though. <laughs> I know this is such a tangent. So yeah, in that case, be- you might want to go with, that's what I'm saying. Imagine <laughs> the difference, though, if you have Mondo and Filipowski, cool, and then you have Zayden or Akunkwa to annoy Mark Mitchell. And ima- imagine the difference mm-hmm. in Ingram annoying Tyrese Proctor as as opposed yeah, to Cormac Ryan. So that's where I'm looking <laughs> at the matchup, and I'm like, maybe you just have Cormac okay. and whoever else off the bench as kind of like flamethrowers because yeah, – right. I don't know. It's also going to depend on what Duke does, but yeah, you know. It's, yeah, it's we, I did get us off the tangent. I'm sorry. I'll get. Hey, I'll give you my real answer though. Um, I would go ahead and start Ingram at the four. Like I said, I think you need Cadeau in the starting lineup from day one and l- take the lumps. Um, bench. I'm going to go Withers, but with a caveat because, like, I do think Zayden High is someone you really want to invest in this year. You can't risk losing him to the transfer portal you got to get him minutes but at the same time i kind of want to see what you have in jalen withers um like can he hit threes can he provide some of like those annoying scrappy plays but if if he starts out like over two over three from three i think it's like all right all right jalen you're out hi you're in withers we might call on you later in the game or something you know like he, to at least give him a chance to make some threes but yeah i just think zayden high you got to develop as sort of like a a, a, a a, kind of a, a building piece for the years to come for this program. So, yeah, that's quintessential that those guys in these first five games, before we get into the the meat and bones, meat and potatoes of the non-con, mm-hmm. I think it's really, really important to get all these guys' minutes. Figure not only to yep. figure out your rotation, but to to build the stepping stones for the future. Um, right. So. 
I have a start bench develop, which is a little different because this one we're going to start bench develop with the shooters. So now I'm talking, I'm not necessarily, you know, talking guys like RJ who are going to do more. I'm talking strictly shooters, Cormac, Paxson, Withers, start bench develop. What are you doing? I think you go Cormac Wojcik in that same order. You said Cormac Wojcik Withers. I think Withers is a, like I don't have to look at the career percentages. I would guess Withers is the lowest uh, career percentage of those three. And Wojcik, I'm like, if he can get like just knock down some spot up threes, man, that'll be more than we had off the bench last year. <laughs> like in this offense, with how much with how many double teams Armando will command with. Cadeau's ability to find the open shooter with if we're like if we're playing up pace and Paxson can find the window to get a shot off like I think that's going to be valuable off the bench and then Cormac I think is just going to be able to shoot off of screens and shoot on the move more than anybody we've had since I, I don't think he's as good of a shooter as Cam Johnson Cam Johnson was a lottery pick for a reason but he's probably the best movement shooter we've had since ah Brady man how can I forget about Brady Brady was freaking lethal but yeah Cormac Cormac is up there as far as a uh movement shooter facts the unc larry bird what a legend how could we forget how him? crazy is that that we were running a six nine four man off of screens listen like, that dude was just elite i'm telling you right now this is a tidbit and i only know this because we were on campus at the same time what made brady manic so elite is that that man is an absolute sup dogs merchant man was picking up Four orders from sup dogs a week minimum. He was a regular. He'd walk in there with his camo shorts, solid color t-shirt, and a bass pro shops hat. I'm telling you, he was a he was a legend of of the sup dogs. They pow- they powered him through the season. But um sup dogs is so gross, man. I mean no, I need a, I gotta be quiet good. in case we maybe we can land a sponsor for them. We'll we'll have you delete hey. that if we get a sponsorship from Subdogs. Listen, dogs, if but... we if we get a sponsor, <laughs> Sup Dogs is elite. If not yeah, right, right, right. Sup Dogs is the fuel of champions. And if if we don't get a sponsor from them, that's why we blew a 15 point lead in the national championship. Yeah. Because our there's, there's second no best player was was fueled on Sup Dogs. <laughs> there's no in between. <laughs> but um yeah, I think I would agree. I think it really just depends, though, because I do think Cormac is the starter. It's kind of how I feel about Ingram. He's going to start. What I think happens is it's all dependent on Paxson is like just a shooter, whereas I think there is potential for Withers to offer more if they can unlock him on the other side of the basketball. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. I could see an argument for leaning Withers, but I do think as of right now it'd be Cormac Paxson Withers. Yeah, um, I could I could see the the argument for Withers too, just with the athleticism he brings. With Pax, I think he can do a little bit with the ball in his hands, like as a secondary playmaker. Like he played with the ball in his hands a lot at Brown, and he's a good passer. But I, I I'm I'm with you that I think his role here will pretty much be spot up threes, maybe curl off some screens every once in a while. Yeah, um, which not bad to have. But I'm yeah, sure you right. have another another start bench developed for us. Yeah, this one is actually not roster related. This is on how to fix live action. You know, we talked about this. Like, uh, 
I don't want to get, you know, too nostalgic on here and date myself, but my freshman year at Carolina, it was the Kendall Marshall team, Harrison Barnes, John Henson, Tyler Zeller, uh, fantastic team, lost in the Elite Eight. But we were preseason number one. Stuart Scott hosted it. Rest in peace, Stuart Scott. Um, it was late night with Roy at the time. And I remember getting there kind of late and having to struggle to find a seat in the upper level. Like I, it, there is, it was so packed. It was so live. Like I just remember Stu Scott being like, and welcome your preseason number one team. You know, like it was this great buildup to it. And even the following years after that, like we sort of struggled the next, my next two years at Carolina, um, like lost in the second round, both those years, kind of forgettable teams like Mark, young Marcus Page teams. But even late night with Roy was still a big deal. Like they still would pack out the Dean Dome for it. So I got three potential fixes um, for you to start bench and cut. Yeah, I guess you can cut one of these. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here are the options. Add a dunk contest. Add a musical guest add some bring back like the dances and the skits okay so i this might be an insanely bold take i'm starting bringing back dances and skits for nostalgia that purposes is a, that is a very bold take I listen for that. nostalgia purposes <laughs> also it reminds me of like the nba like when you see the clips of like Scoot Henderson singing in front of like it it just it makes it more personal with the players and it also is more nostalgic. So I will start that. I will bench God, this stuff. I'm gonna bench musical guests and I'm going to cut dunk contest. And the only reason I'm cutting dunk contest is because there's not a dunk that those kids could do. That is something I haven't seen before. And, you know, I even feel that way about the NBA dunk contest now. Like we're running out of dunks. Like it's, and I do understand from a height perspective. Yeah. I'm sure the arena would be jumping if they did a dunk contest. Uh, But now if we're talking dunk contest where maybe you bring back, couple special guests maybe maybe we can get to talking like jp tokido not a good professional basketball player but i'd love to see that dude in a dunk contest so i don't know yeah, I'm, you brought up some good points with dunk contest because i was either going to start that or bench that i i think i might start a musical guest because I feel like there's a lot of different directions you could go just bring like you could bring a a young like a rapper that gen zers like to just completely like sexy reds and we can have her out there like, with the ski yes yeah yeah you can uh, yeah you could or you could like kind of have the bridge with with j cole to where you get people my age into it and i feel like he loves unc anyway but there's like recruits would still respect that um but you don't need to you know pay them a crazy amount of money to do a full set you just i mean they probably would still need some money but uh you put them in between like the men's and women's women's scrimmage and just have like three to five songs and then people stay for the men's scrimmage like that'd be a pretty easy way to do it and would look really good to recruits um <laughs> i'm almost forgetting my own ones now bench i'll go bench uh bench dunk contest because i think it has potential like this this came to me when i was watching cohen Carr dunk from the free throw line at oh, michigan dude. state's uh equivalent of their scrimmage and it looked so hype 
Like we don't have anybody that could do that, but like Seth Trimble, Jalen Withers could probably throw down some good dunks. Um, am I forgetting somebody? Who else do we have that's athletic? Cadeau. Cadeau is like his dunk, his like dunk highlights are he's got some stupid bounce. Like you put those three guys in a dunk contest. I think the place would get pretty hyped for that, even if it's – I'm with you, though, that I'm like – I have it as a bench because a dunk contest can go south if it gets boring pretty quick. Um, then develop, I had the skits and the dancing, but I, I'm kind of with you that you could bring that back as long as you're creative with it. Yeah. Like, we don't just need the same dances every year. Like, find ways to showcase the players' personalities. Like, I Mike- mentioned last week just, like, how charismatic Harrison Ingram is. Like, let Harrison Ingram do something to to maximize that, you know? That's how I feel like, dude, why are we limiting it? Like, you know, I know we've talked about this every episode. I don't care. Let James Oconquo come out there and like rap British drill for like two minutes. Like, <laughs> l- like make Elliot Cadeau sing like ain't no mountain high enough. Like do funny stuff that, that you haven't done before. And it, it could yeah. honestly be great. Now, mm-hmm. The only thing, see, dunk contest, the reason I immediately cut it is because it would take less than two minutes for someone to pull out a Vince Carter jersey and do the Vince Carter dunk. I'm already knowing exactly how that would go, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. In some cases, it's like, again, you appease the old heads, but if it's like Seth Trimble doing that, a recruit sees that as like, oh, I want to be like Seth Trimble. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) No, that's true. So my final start bench develop could also be a start bench cut, I do believe. So this is going to be kind of takeaways from the game. It's not player related, but just from the things we've seen, start bench cut and level of importance. And that is going to be the fast tempo secondary break, the intensity on the glass, or the intensity on the perimeter defensively. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, hmm. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You know, in some ways, I might want to start the intensity on the the perimeter defensively. I actually, I know I didn't even mention this, but what one thing that stuck out to me at the game, we played more aggressive defense. We weren't just yes. playing the the super conservative drop coverage that like Gardner Webb lit up last year. Oh, dude, I used to send a text message a game, a, literally at least one text message a game, and say, "Wow." I love UNC's go under every screen philosophy. They didn't do that at, at you know at mm-hmm. live action, which mm-hmm. was nice. 
Yeah, yeah. And you didn't have Armando playing like way back on the drop coverage. Like Armando was getting up there and hedging. We ran some no middle. Like I'm I'm gonna start that because I want to see that. Cause that's that is what helped key the final four run two years ago was when you had Brady Manic. Like you go back and watch that UCLA game, and Brady Manic was causing havoc on switches and hard hedges. Like if we can get that, I think the offense has enough talent, enough offensively minded talent that like even if we didn't push the tempo, um that we, we'd still be able to succeed on that end. But in order to like have a smaller perimeter unit, I think we got to play really aggressive and even look to to get out and press a little bit. And that's where I think having Wojcik and having Trimble as depth pieces would be huge in being able just to press a little bit more. Um, every time we pressed last year, it worked, but I just don't think we had the depth to do it regularly. So I'll go that with start bench. I'm going to go uh, the pushing the tempo, pushing the pace. You know, we already talked about that. It's just, a lot of fun to watch like seeing the ball just like fly down the court is like a sight for sore eyes after last year um the last i'm sorry roy williams roy williams if you if you listen to this i know roy i'm sure roy is a big fan of the pot is the roof um you're still my goat i love you you're my favorite person that i've never met but i'm putting rebounding last because <laughs> not that it's not important you know i still want to see some intensity on the glass but you throw armando down there getting 15 towards a game like makes rebounding a little less important for everybody else yeah so i'm honestly i think i'm right in the same boat so for starters the defensive stuff i mean there's a reason that unc's kryptonite has always been white guy who can shoot on a team like because we go under and we play soft coverage on every single screen. It gives me PTSD because I watched the Celtics do that against Steph Curry in the NBA Finals and get absolutely doused. So it's like I hate the drop coverage on everything mentality. Like, especially, bro, like, who cares? At the end, like, it's college. A big actually has a chance of defending a guard at like they can at least annoy them i mean there's obviously some guards that if you get in switches you know we saw it with rj davis during the final four run if rj davis had a switch with a big on him he's blowing by him every time but i'd take that don't go under and give a 38 percent three-point shooter wide open looks the whole game so that's definitely number one i agree with number two because one it's fun I'm sure we both missed the fast-paced breakaway basketball. Like, it's just – that's what the Luke May shot came off of. Like, it's just – it's fun. It's it's fast-paced. It's easy to watch. But besides that, it's also an excellent way to cover up some defensive weaknesses. And I do think that even if the intensity is heavy – with those Cadeau and RJ lineups, they will be undersized and they will struggle in some defensive matchups. The way to counter that is get out on the break and run. And I think that's why I'm so high on the fast pace offense this year. I just, I think we have the personnel to honestly run it to perfection. I mean, every single guy that's going to play minutes for us with the exception of Armando can get up and down the court, like really, really, really fast. So that's great. And then, yeah, 
it's cool to see guys like Zayden and Akunquo aggressive on the glass, but like you said, one, if Armando's down there, it doesn't matter. Two, rebounding doesn't matter near as much if you're actually playing with intensity on the defensive end. Rebounding matters more when you're like awful defensively and it's like rebound, easy kick out. They don't even have to reset their offense. Mm-hmm. That's when rebounding is important. So if the first one actually happens, we don't have to worry as much about rebounding. But yeah, I mean, that's all I've got for star bench develop. Do you have any more star bench develops? That's all I had too. Um, shall we go ahead and move on to four corners then? Oh, little, absolutely. And I'm going to give you a spotlight to explain this one because this was all your idea and I love it. All right. So yeah, for this, this week's four corners, for those that missed it last week, four corners is how we're going to end our shows. We're just going to hit on four things that are kind of random. It'll vary week to week. What we're talking about last week, we did four by ourselves with this, with this team this week, I want to hit on the four different rankings that have come out in the past week or two, where you had Evan Miyakawa release his, his algorithms, ranking his predictive rankings. Kim Palm did the same thing. Uh, Then we had the AP poll come out this week. And this one harkens back actually to, uh, September when the Almanac released in the Almanac ranking. So I contributed to the Almanac. If you don't have the well. Almanac yet, you might be a fraud. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, a lot of, lot of hours put into that. Please, I mentioned my son at the beginning of the episode. Help me get him diapers because he's going through them like crazy right now. So buy the Almanac. That's um, a twist right like, there. I think if you don't buy the Almanac. Went, man went through like you don't like babies. You support you support babies. <laughs> um, so yeah, we talked about anyway with with both Evan Mia and the Kim Palm rankings had UNC at number 17, you know, computer rankings based on their model and everything. Um AP poll had UNC 19th, the Almanac had UNC 24th. And I can go ahead and take the heat and say I wrote or I contributed to the poll for the Almanac. I didn't rank UNC. Uh, in my preliminary rankings right now, I have them in that 25 to 30 range. And, you know, as we've talked about these first two episodes, I like a lot of the pieces on this roster. I think they're, they're, the infrastructure is there for this to be a team that, you know, it's hard for me to envision them getting a one seed, but three, four seed and like sweet 16 elite eight type potential. I think that ceiling is there. But the reason why I didn't rank them was just, I had some concerns that we'll talk a little bit more next week with some of the athleticism, some of the defensive concerns that just carry over from last year. Um, and I kind of just want to see it out on the court. You know, if UNC comes out and they blow a really good Radford team off the court in the first game of the season and beat a really good Riverside team, like those are two teams that'll contend for their respective conferences. Um, like if we go out, win those games by 20 plus, I'll be inclined to have us more in that 20 to 25 range, you know, especially ahead of Atlantis where we'll have plenty of opportunities to show that like, this is a different team with a different mindset than last year. So um, it's not really any hate toward the heels or that I have a ton of qualms with this roster or anything. I just, I want to see it before I, before I rank them just after how last year transpired. I actually, you at with all these different polls, you know, I think the people, who are the closest to the right ranking is the AP poll. Honestly, I would say 19 to 21 is like the sweet spot for me. Mm-hmm. I think 24 is a little low and I think 17 is a little high. Now that being said, I do find it funny that, and I told you about this before the pod started 
had, had to get the narratives out there. The computers love UNC, and I understand why human voters don't. Human voters can look at the data and stuff, but at the end of the day, when you see a team make the championship, blow a 15-point lead, come back with the whole roster, essentially, minus Manic, and collapse and not even make the tournament for the first time ever. Like, I understand why that's stained your mind. Like, the what you said about, like, you need to see it, I 100% agree with that. I, I want to see it, but I just think with everything they've added, I'm just kind of in that mindset of, like, I don't see how this possibly could not be a top 22 or top 21 team just simply from a what they added in the portal what they added in the recruiting class what they brought Mm -hmm. back it's just really it's just really hard for me to imagine Mm -hmm. them not being one of those teams but yeah I do think it's like I'm shocked at how much the computers like UNC like the computers having us at 17th is nuts that that is encouraging for me. We didn't even mention Bart Torvik just because it's four corners, not five corners. But Torvik's model has us, I think, thirteenth or fourteenth. Um, yeah, like you said, with what we brought back, I, if you compare this year's roster to last year, I don't think there's quite the pedigree of last year's roster because you had Caleb Love, former top ten recruit, hit one of the three biggest shots in UNC history, gonna probably end his career, his college career, as like a. 17 a game score 16 17 a game score um you have leaky black who got a two-way deal with the hornets one of the best perimeter defenders in the country pete nance who was on an exhibit 10 with the Cavs, like um and obviously has nba and his bloodlines like we don't quite have that same like ballyhooed roster when it comes to recruiting stars and whatnot like um but i i think this is something that's been repeated throughout this off season for people who cover unc like beat reporters media outlets alike is that it, it it's sort of shaping up to be a team where it's like the piece is a bit better and it's kind of a, a sum is greater than the greater than its parts. But I'll even add with that, like the sum of is will probably hopefully the model or the, the mindset is like a sum is greater. The sum is greater than its parts, but there's also two really good proven parts in RJ Davis and Armando Baycott. Like you have your two stars there, which I think that that's what gives me hope for them to hit this ceiling. Um, and maybe that I would guess that factors pretty heavily into both Kim Palm and Miyakawa's projection. Um, shout out to Evan. That's my guy. I love Evan. He's my favorite of the the data analytic boys uh, because his model always has UNC really high. I think I think the 2022 season, even when when we made the Final Four, made the national championship game, even when we were getting blown out by Wake and Miami, Miyakawa's metrics had us as a top 20 team. So I'm like Evan, my guy. I don't know what numbers you're cooking up there, but I agree with him. Like, so keep keep doing the Lord's work and putting. UNC high (laughs) no it's so it's wild and you know 17 and 13 on the three computer models whereas the human beings love Duke and they love Michigan State the computers do not the computers have Duke at four seven and nine they have Michigan State at 13 eight and 14 they're like consensus top four for human voters. So the way that the way that the algorithm works is honestly nuts. It's you never really know what to expect, but what I will say is that 
those analytical approaches typically are pretty accurate. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's part of why I do agree because that 17 to like 15 range is where I imagine UNC will end the season at. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it, it's encouraging. It is encouraging that Hubert was actually able to make complete changes and basically revamp everything after the mm-hmm. dumpster fire that was last year. It's really, really nice that we get a fresh look. Like, yes, we have two familiar faces, but it's still a fresh look. And that's really all you can ask for. If something goes that south, hit the reset button and see what happens. So, yeah, it's the contrast between all the ranking systems is it's a sight to see. Now, if you had to to pick, what would you say? And I know you said you didn't have them ranked, but what would be your most accurate? As of right now, I guess I'll go to the Almanac just because I voted in that. <laughs> so I'll, I'll side with that for now. But like I said, I will be, I'm willing to buy back in. You know, I just want to see it the first couple of weeks of the season. I'm, yeah, I'm obviously, I'm cheering for, you know, Mia Cow and Kim Palm to be right. Like I want that to be the, the case and climb even higher than that. So that's perfectly understandable. But yeah, I mean, look, another incredible episode recording with my guy Riley I can't say another incredible episode of the pot is the roof because this is the first episode ever of the pot is the roof we're we're a completely new new group of people now so yeah I mean it does hark the pod had a nice ring to it but it's all right we move on pod is the roof and you know Shout out Michael Jordan for saying one of the most hilariously idiotic things that we've ever heard. And it's just, but if Jumpman wants to sponsor us, I need some retro, I need some retros. Get at us. Jumpman. We'll, we'll get you the views. We, we sure, we, we are sure that the Jordan brand needs uh, more promotion from our podcast. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) They don't have enough, Uh, but one key thing as you guys approach the end. And honestly, I'll put it at the beginning too. We are going to be streaming primarily on a new Field of 68 channel. It's not necessarily new, new. They've posted things on it before, but this season there is a new spice to it. The Field of 68 main channel that most of you are subscribed to is now going to be specifically for after darks, for best bets, for all of the big time national shows. But don't worry, the team pods, the UNCs, the Dukes, the Kansas, the Blue Blood, all of it is now going to be on the Field of 68 as you see it in front of you on YouTube right now. After that, just type in Podcast Network. That's where all the team-based pods are going to go on the Field of 68 Podcast Network page. Just about at 3,000 subscribers Everyone that is listening on the main channel, the links to the second channel where everything will be posted are below. Make sure you go sub. I know you guys don't want to miss these team pods. It's going to be great. A bunch of super, super talented individuals that love their programs, that have insight on their programs. You don't want to miss it. So go sub to that channel. Like I said, easy. Links are below. You don't want to miss anything. We will be going live on there once or twice a week 
All the other team pods will be on there once or twice a week. If you want to stay updated on all your favorite squads, all your favorite players, there's no better place to do it. So go ahead, go over there, subscribe, just like you are to the regular field 68. And I'm going to need to see the numbers go up because I know how many of y'all are going to watch this and I know how many of y'all are subscribed to the field 68. Y'all know it's easy. Just click the button. You don't want to miss anything. Riley, you got anything to add before we move out of here? I'm just going to say, buy the Almanac and drop something in the comments. We want to read the comments, respond to them. I actually meant to respond to a couple today from last one that I forgot to. But we'll do that going forward. So give us that visibility. Give us follows on Twitter. You know, Help us build the brand of the pot as the roof. And with that being said, we're out. Absolutely. And I take the I look like Pete Nance as a compliment, okay? <laughs> I love that from you guys. But we'll be back next week to talk about a little bit of the things that we uh, aren't the biggest fans of. Until then, we'll see you guys. This is Bruce Pearl. Sean Shire. Sean Miller. I love the Field of 16. I listen to you guys every morning. Are we still live? You kind of went on my radar. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, the only way to keep up college basketball is through the Field of 68. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.